Your source for Big Ten Talk, it's Off Tackle Empire! Welcome back to Off Tackle Empire, the official podcast of punting enthusiasts everywhere, powered by SB Nation. Once again, I'm Steve Braun with Andrew Koscheski, and we're here to talk about uh, we're, 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 escape week. It's we're here to talk about week. escape. Yes, this is this was an escape room, and uh, not everybody made it out. But with like twelve seconds left, the conference figured out how to beat a service academy at home, uh, and then celebrated like they had escaped an actual Saw-style escape room. So yeah, why don't you why don't you introduce our Wind Fight Tribe Rooster Week? Before yeah. we get into that, we'll give a quick nod to one of the more impressive teams of the sea of the season so far. Hundred percent. This is Rochester Mills Orange Whip. A milkshake IPA because when whenever there's an orange on the non-conference schedule for a certain team, they absolutely whip the shit out of them. In this case, we salute you, Maryland Terrapins, with a beer that is like the defense, a lot more stout than I had really imagined. A lot, a lot, a lot thicker, a lot juicier. Turtle power. Yes, uh, very, very productive, and really can sneak up on you with how creamy it is. So. Uh, Maryland, go ahead and uh, and just juice the life out of everything that's orange on your schedule because Illinois ducks you this year. This is still something that I think they should have just made into a stout instead of insisting on it being an IPA, but that's just that's just me and my distaste for IPs talking, I guess. So anyway, no point in beating around the bush any further. As we alluded to, boy, Michigan, um, you you sure got lucky because this would have been another this. Would this have gone up there in the same league with Appalachian State? No, because it is a Division One opponent. But, man. Um, this probably would have been the most embarrassing loss of Harbaugh's tenure. Oh, of his tenure, yes. Sure. Definitely. Because, you know, the bowl games when you get whipped by some SEC team, people don't generally put much stock in those. I mean, the excuses for the one they played last year were being written before the game even started. Oh, oh Devin been playing. Okay, you only have 85 other points. So, anyway... We told you that a 23-point spread in this game was free money, and you damn near could have had the money line because Michigan needed Army to miss a 48-yarder, the first kick of this freshman kicker's career, by the way. He missed it by less than a yard. Um, nearly hit a 48-yarder with less than a minute left that would have sealed the game the way Michigan's off most of the afternoon. We, I saw during the game on Twitter also a lot of suggestions that, oh, if Michigan hadn't had all these fumbles... They were decisively the better team play-by-play. Play. That might be true, but those fumbles count. They're part well, of the game. And, and also, I don't and, know if it is true. And Army paid them back in spades for those turnovers because driving to score what would have made the game a 21-7 margin, Army throws the dumbest interception I've ever seen after false starting from the goal line. And then Michigan goes the other way and scores a touchdown. And, it, yeah, so... I don't want to hear that Michigan had bad turnover luckness because, first of all, I think they only ended up minus one on the day, and and second, you know, I don't get I don't get their what are they trying to do offensive? That I've never understood because when you think about the Jim Harbaugh Michigan teams, you basically think of a good defense and like uh, you think of a good running game, but it's not always there, is it? No, you think of a good running game against hopeless patsy defenses that you just lean on them with big dudes and they're going to get out of your way. But they couldn't do it today. And and between that and the fact that they've put all these resources into the passing game, I'm just wondering, like, where did... Who is this guy? 
And what happened to that dude that coached the 49ers in Stanford? Because honestly, I don't I don't think that you I don't think that you got the exact same thing that San Francisco had gotten. Like you didn't see these kind of things. You didn't see him clench up. This is not characteristic of him. I don't know why when he's wearing the Michigan colors, he seems to be just terrified as a game day coach. Yeah, as as aggressive and aggro as he is off the field, he does not seem to have the same killer instinct on it. Because what the San Francisco Harbaugh, I think, would have done would have looked at the two at the rosters on the field and been like, wow. Nico Collins is like a foot taller than that guy trying to guard him. Maybe I should throw him the ball more than three times in the first half, you know? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm making that number up. But the point, I think, stands that Michigan's clear advantage here was not in trying to smash the ball against a very disciplined, block-shedding Army front, but maybe make, taking advantage of the fact that you have better athletes on the perimeter. They never did that. Well, Harbaugh took over as the 49ers head coach and immediately said, okay, what does Alex Smith do well? He's got experience with this read option stuff. And retooled the offense and made Alex Smith, a guy who was seen as unequivocally one of the biggest draft busts, yeah. and, and made him into a legitimate starter. Smith is still getting paid because of what Harbaugh did. So. And, and also replaced him with a backup, and if anything, got better. Yeah. And, and it was because he, he did all these bold things. This was before everybody was trying to have their quarterback run. Um, yeah, well, I mean that that wave never really caught fire in the end. Yeah, like it, but like, it's certainly. Like it in but this was before this was before Robert <coughs> this was before yeah. Robert Griffin the the third came into the yeah, league. Before Johnny Football, before Mariota, before any of those big time dual threat running quarters. So I just wonder where is that Jim Harbaugh? What it's, is he so afraid to lose? It's not like this is a bigger stage than the Super Bowl. No, well, and it's not to say that uh, that we insist he go back to running the zone read in particular. They still have that play in their offense, but Patterson never pulls the ball. And, of course, the excuse that the FS1, because, you know, it's an FS1 broadcast, so they're going to do what they have to for the Big Ten team. I, and, hey, I freely admit that. Last week, MSU got that benefit despite playing, laying an absolute turd on the field against Tulsa. The booth is giving them every benefit of the doubt, and they did it again for Michigan this week. And the thing we kept hearing was, oh, well, we know Shea Patterson's dinged up. He's got this oblique thing. I'm like, all right. It, and this is this is what made me tear my hair out with MSU last year with Brian Lewerke and his clearly non-functional shoulder for the second half of the season. If he's not healthy enough to play, it's not benefiting anyone to keep playing him, especially because Michigan in McCaffrey has an actual backup. They have a guy who could be better than Patterson, even if Patterson's healthy and they won't play him. I don't understand. They, they certainly won't commit to him. They'll put him in for a play or two, but they won't commit to him. No, if anything, like, if it's just doing enough to get him on the field to keep him around because Patterson's a senior, I don't know what the plan is here, but it doesn't feel like they have one. And considering all this hype about them bringing in this new offensive coordinator, boy. Jim Harbaugh at Stanford took over a moribund program that had been offensive coordinated by Bill Cubitt and beat Pete Carroll USC as a 41-point underdog. He, uh, name a single game where his Michigan team has overachieved. I it's don't really, know who this is anymore. The two Penn State wins, really. Are the, and it's not anywhere close to what he did at Stanford, obviously, because the differential was not... I mean, if anything, Michigan's probably the better team in both of those matchups, but Penn State's also good. So that's the clo- those are still the two biggest wins of his tenure, and it's two regular season games against Penn State. Boy, yeah. I don't know what else there is to say here. It's Look, it's true the Michigan offense is still missing a couple of big pieces. I wonder if their run game looks a little more potent once it's John Runyon, the senior, at left tackle instead of a redshirt freshman. 
I wonder if Dobbin Peoples-Jones gives them enough options out wide that can't deal with all of them at once. It's possible that this, I mean, things can turn around in a hurry. And I saw that with my own team, which was great. So it's early in the season. They did win the game. And look, when you think, if you think about this week a month from now, this, the, the close escape is probably going to be forgotten. If they, conti- if they continue to win, none of this is going to matter. That's true enough. But I don't think there's any real reason for optimism that that's going to happen. Because if the Michigan team that showed up last week had had to play Ohio State, they would have lost. If they'd played Michigan State, they would have lost. Penn State would have lost. Wisconsin would have lost. Notre Dame would have lost. They're, they can't play like this and have anywhere near this kind of season that they were projected to. Remember, it, two weeks ago, before the season started, across the board, almost without exception... Pick to win the conference. Pick to go to the playoff. Pick to go undefeated. Definitely beating Ohio State. Yeah, the, uh, none of that's on the table for this Michigan team right now. Notwithstanding the two and zero start, none of that's on the table. I mean, and the other thing is, right? Noted quarterback whisperer Jim Harbaugh. Uh, would you take any quarterback he's had since over Jake Rudock in 2015? The guy he grabbed as a graduate transfer as a finished product no. from Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, name the best quarterback of the Jim Harbaugh era so far. It's, it's still been, I mean, it has still been shaky with either quarterback who, of course, you know. They're both four or five stars, by the way. Yeah. It's not like these kids don't have the talent to, to be dynamite. We've seen it with Patterson at another, as an underclassman at a more simplistic offense. So, I don't know what I, I don't, don't know, know why with, with this massive talent advantage, he seems to be afraid to throw the ball or do anything particularly aggressive. I just wonder if because... He, I wonder if there's something, if, if for some reason, because he's in the place where Bo was, if he somehow feels spiritually constrained to that's do, what thing, to do just, things as Bo would have. He's basically just cosplaying Bo Schembechler. And if that sounds fucking absurd, of course it is, but I can't come up with anything else. Me neither. Well, remember the time that he that he took a Buckeye nut with a hammer to Bo Schembechler's grave to ceremonially execute it? Like, you... you that's about as bizarre as your theory that he's just cosplaying Bo Schembechler. Yeah, man. I mean, it would be a hell of a Halloween costume, go as Harbaugh cosplaying as Bo. I wonder if you could get, like, you know, have the papier-mâché puppet on your shoulder of a ghost of Bo Schembechler. Oh, you would get in fights here. People would fight you, but (laughs) it would still be the best costume I've ever seen. They Um, did not get the Jim Harbaugh that they paid for. Are still paying for. We'll pay... uh, Are going to... I mean... I think they basically turned his contract into one of those lifetime things that continuously extends. So they're going to pay him. And everybody's been blamed. Everybody's been blamed for a lot of these things in the national media except him. But when you think about kicking a field goal in a tie game from the 19-yard line, that's not to not do that is some Ron Zook shit. Like, yeah, and it's just, again, it's it's this thing where these, these in-game tactical decisions he makes are so hard to understand, and the blathering answers he gives in press conferences are so non-responsive, we have no choice but to guess his mind frame. Again, I have to assume, when you look at that game situation, you got a card, don't you, that tells you we're tied, we're at this line, this down and distance, kick the goddamn field goal, take the lead. This Army offense isn't exactly a Ferrari going to roar down the field and retake it back. Once you've got a lead with that little time left, you could ease... I mean, Army could have their offense work perfectly fine and just not have enough time to get into field goal position. Yeah. Like that's, that would have been a distinct possibility if they just kicked that field goal, but they didn't do it. I, I don't get, and again, they truly were fortunate to escape with a win in two overtimes. So. You know what? He does have a card and I'll tell you what that card says. 
it says, what would Bo say, right? So you got fourth and two from the 19. What would Bo say? Well, you know, you can't get the two yards here, then you don't deserve to win the game. Yeah. That's it. It's just a what would Bo say about this situation card. That's all it is. It's a it's a magic eight ball with Bo Schembechler, uh, with Bo Schembechler's face on the other side of it. It'd be a really small play card. I mean, it would make it a lot easier to carry. It would fit in the pocket of those khakis a lot better than, you know, the big laminated thing most of them carry around, right? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, enough about that. Um, look, Michigan has a bye week this week. This It very rarely has a team ever needed a bye in week three as bad as Michigan does right now, despite being... Um, they, because after this bye, they, I think they go to Wisconsin or do they host Wisconsin? Either way, they play Wisconsin, a team which <laughs> thus far has been majestic. And we'll, we'll segue right into talking about the Badgers here. It's hard to put into context everything that happens in the offseason when you're not playing definite Power 5 opponents because Central Michigan, we know... They're, we knew they'd be They bad. were so bad that they lost to Kansas last year, which... Took, can, some, took some doing. Yeah, which was an impressive thing to do. What did they do? Was that home to Kansas, too? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so you don't know how good South Florida is, but you can't do any better than Wisconsin has done. It's not possible to have done better because they won 61 to nothing. They won 49 to nothing in Week 1. And uh, they've they've shown the ability to pass efficiently, to run in dominating fashion, and to play stifling defense like we're used to seeing them play. And these are Division One opponents, albeit you know middling to bad group of five teams, but Division One opponents. And Wisconsin, first of all, with Quintez Cephas back and with Jack Cohn showing his ability to actually throw a deep ball, this offense feels a lot more complete. I mean, this is kind of what I thought we were going to see last year. Uh, even with a revamped offensive line with a whole bunch of new pieces on it, because they've still got this unbelievably potent running game with Taylor, and then now they also have this passing game to go with it with a decent diversity of weapons. Um, yeah, I would have thought that with the experienced quarterback last year, we would have most likely seen it then, but I don't, if you're the Badgers, I think you're willing to wait for what it looks like this team could be. I, th- I mean, with the results we've seen so far, I do now feel like the Big Ten West race has sharpened a little bit there's still plenty of, going to be plenty of competition for it, but if it's not Iowa and Wisconsin front running at this point, I don't know what you're looking at. Yeah, that's absolutely. There, I mean, they're the ones that have shown the least vulnerabilities. Um, they're they're the only ones who wouldn't look silly with a little number next to their to their name, or on a field with Ohio State or Penn State or even Michigan. So, yeah. So I guess we thought that this was going to be you know, a massive departure from the norm, but it looks like it's just going to go back to being business as usual because, you know, you're just not really allowed to have fun. It's true enough that the conference play has yet yet to begin, and again, we'll certainly see October Northwestern have something to say about it, I'm sure. I still think, I mean, it was so wildly inconsistent, but I still think their ceiling could ultimately involve them with this. But before we get into that too much we'll continue through the game by game um and indiana likewise did not have any issues fcs opponent peyton ramsey was actually their leading passer although no they did not make a switch back at starting quarterback it's just they got out so far so fast that he got substantial run after michael Penix's day was done uh if you want to nitpick about indiana's performance a little bit here didn't get very much out of the rushing attack and in a game like this you normally at a certain point want to just turn it over and run it every play they didn't really get very good efficiency or volume out of the run, but they lit Illinois State on fire through the Eastern Illinois. We have to have to clarify that because Illinois State is a reasonably quality program. 
I don't know why I thought Illinois State. I thought it was Indiana State last week. So I'm giving Indiana all kinds of opponents in this game, I guess. Um, just get back to playing an FBS team, crying out loud. So they beat up on Eastern Illinois through the air. Their defense looks every bit as good as it has under Tom Allen. So if you're Indiana, are you gaining a little bit of confidence? Does nine win Indiana feel maybe not quite as far-fetched? Uh, nine wins is still going to be a stretch. And next week will certainly tell us. But uh, but you're two-ninths of the way there, and that's all you can ask for at this point. True. That's a hard fraction to do. I don't know exactly what it turns out to. Point two, 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 two. Whatever, nerd. <laughs> Speaking of which, they were on by, presumably brainstorming uh, ways that they could lose to, uh, who is it? UNLV. UNLV. Yeah. Tune into the pre tune into the preview cast if you want more details on that. Um, Ohio State, likewise, not getting much of a fight from a much better opponent in Cincinnati. Uh, turns out if you deactivate Cincinnati's rushing attack, they kind of fall to pieces. You know what's a bit scary about this Ohio State team is that their defense is looking a lot better than last. Yeah, well, it looks more like what a Ohio State defense has and should and probably will continue to look like, which is vastly more talented than their opponent and giving you ver- very little. Um, last year, for whatever reason, not going to point too many fingers to the defensive coordinator, although it probably was his fault. Um, it, they just didn't, they felt completely mortal. They felt like a normal defense despite having this embarrassment of talent. And so, well, Maryland hung 51 on them. Right. And so then, and that's, again, that's last year's Maryland. So Michigan hung 39 on them. Yeah, although that's kind of like you let the dogs off at some point. So, uh, But no, this Ohio State defense looks a lot more like its vintage self. And this retool, different sort of different look offense back to the running quarterback looks every bit as good as they have in the last several years. Maybe not quite the potency of like the Barrett passing attacks, but this, this offense is going to be fine. So do you think that Ohio State picks up a loss this year in a regular season? And if so... What do you see as the most likely place for it to happen? Maybe um, Michigan State, Penn State, Michigan. The three that could do it. Not Michigan as much, but that game is in Ann Arbor. Um, there's still a lot of season to go before then. The Michigan State game is pretty soon. Maybe that kind of defense is a different animal for Fields. Maybe he feels the moment a little bit, but that game is also new. So My pick it, of I Nebraska is not looking great. No, no, no. Um, but yeah, it, most likely it's either Michigan State or Penn State that picks them off. But we are two years running now here with a random-ass road loss. And oh, hey, look who's going to Indiana next week. Um, just throwing that out there. But if we're going to continue talking about um, fun little romps in the non-conference, though Michigan State finds itself in this category for a pleasant change. That's fun. Um, they, you know, Week one, they looked completely clueless on offense against a Tulsa team that's probably that looks like it's going to be a middle-of-the-road group of five opponent. And they showed dramatic improvement in just about every regard there. Against a Western Michigan team that's got a bad defense, but it's still going to compete for the MAC, I think. Um, I have to assume the opposing defense is a substantial part of this. And I'm going to rein in the optimism until I see him do it the next two weeks in a row because the quality of the opposing defense is going to ramp up in difficulty a couple notches each of those weeks. Still, like, a lot to like here, though. I mean, the offensive line actually looked like a Big Ten offensive line for long stretches. They have a lead running back now and Elijah Collins, why they didn't understand, but that looks just fine. Um, They moved Daryl Stewart back into the slot and he flourished. The rookie had a great game. And the defense, despite giving up 17 on paper, I think you could argue 10 of those were garbage points. So, lot to like. I really have very little to complain about. All I hope is that they 
learn some kind of lesson from the play calling approach they went into in this game and apply that moving forward. Be sure you don't like that whole thing where every time they were running with the ball it just looked like they had tat across their chest. <sighs> like three different shades of green in this thing. <laughs> Fifty shades of green. Y'all can't... The story of how Mark D'Antonio dominated the Big Ten. Because this is a, an audio medium, y'all cannot quite see the... I think resigned was the expression on my face because... I hated those uniforms so much. And then what I realized, I don't know if I remembered this from last week or not, but what I noticed is they stuck the student section with that shit too. The student section shirt this year is green with neon writing. I couldn't even read what it said because of the ridiculous contrast. I'm so upset by that. So they're trying to be like, they're trying to be like Oregon 10 years ago, except without offense. Yeah. Like... Because I think that people tuned in to watch Oregon less for the stupid uniforms and more because they were really fun to watch. I think that's not the part of the Oregon playbook that you should really be copying. Yeah, you could have put LaMichael James in a cotton t-shirt, a cotton white t-shirt, and I would have tuned in to watch because of how much fun they, yeah, like you said, they were in an incredible show. The uniforms were a small little part of that, like... But it's just like before opening kickoff, like, oh, what kind of, what lids are they wearing this week? Oh, those are cool. God damn, look at how this offense runs. Like, that's... That's basically what that was. You have the well, one see, you never had that much time to look at them standing still, right? Because <laughs> right? as as you're trying to figure out, like, is that is that that banana yellow or is that a different? Is that highlighter green? And no, by the time the camera zooms in on the player who's making the play, they're already lining up for the next snap. So I don't know why Nike has continued this effort to get neon into the hands of Michigan State's fan base. It's been going for years now. For I think maybe since. I think 2015, they stuck it on the basketball jerseys for a couple games. Might even have been earlier. No, I think that's probably about when it started. So we're going into five years now of this ongoing guerrilla warfare by Nike against the, our collective psyche to, to make us buy fucking neon. And I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to spend money. Like, at least when they busted out the bronze thing, it was different enough that I was like, I, I mean, I don't like that look, but I see how you could. And because of the school's mascot and, like, the history of that mascot, there was some kind of rational connection. Like, you understood when you were looking at green and bronze what it could, what it was about if you had a little bit of background. There is no reasoning. There is no logic for this. Meanwhile, at Illinois, a school whose palette includes the very loud color of orange, we don't have anything neon. We just have gray. And for some reason, they made our road... You know, orange helmet, orange pants. It, it it just looks like we're wearing red and white on the road. So uh, that was great. I, always, I mean, that's what I always loved is those, when I was a student and they had the all orange uniforms, they were so loud and obnoxious that it was like, yeah. Because it's great to be loud and obnoxious in something that is actually your school color. Yeah. Speaking of loud and obnoxious, Maryland continuing its reign of terror, its, its bloody rampage through the non-conference. And much tougher opponent this time in Syracuse. Yeah, did not FCS, expect this. No, FCS Howard is one thing, but taking a ranked opponent to the woodshed is, uh, yeah, as you said, unexpected. Um, this Terrapin run game remains dynamite. Multiple backs who can take it to the house at any point. Even without Deshaun Jones as that threat at wideout, they've not missed a beat because of all these excellent athletes that have held over in the Durkin era. And give Mike Loxley credit. I mean, it. if you want to so... Think back here that both Loxley and Josh Gaddis were involved with the same Alabama offense that made its step into the terrifying modern era of Bama offense wielding modern concepts. They were both there. They both left and went to new schools. 
Given what we've seen through these two games, which of those guys do you think was actually more responsible for what Bama did on offense? Because right now, it's looking like locks. And if you're Maryland, you got to be psyched about these. Well, the other thing is, uh, I believe that the Zucker is on the Mike Locks, the coaching staff, right? And as it just so happens... Zook? Yeah. Is he? 12 years ago, the Zucker went on the road and beat the pants off of Syracuse. He's a senior analyst for the University of Maryland. Yeah, I guess he <laughs> yep. is. So... Uh, Syracuse, you can't beat Ron Zook. You ought to give up trying. Uh, but the thing is that, uh, Syracuse, you can maybe say was overrated because they, they really are struggling to replace, uh, Eric Dungy with, with, Tommy you know, DeVito, noted, think, yeah. noted, uh, erstwhile Rutgers target Tommy DeVito. Don't know if there's any truth to that, but you feel like it should have happened. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's true that Syracuse... The starting quarterback for your Rutgers Scarlet Knights, Tommy DeVito! <laughs> hey, Tommy, yeah. No one's going to confuse Syracuse with the defensive power either. Even their better teams so far have most often just been, we'll beat you in a shootout. And we'll, you know, obviously the run game is not going to sustain this level of explosiveness against big defenses. But again, they, they, they beat the absolute piss out of a competently coached ACC team. Yeah, you, you can't draw up a better start to the Loxley era. So nothing else to say, really. Um, yeah, the Maryland completely did. Uh, we were talking earlier about how, how many of... My preseason prognostications have already kind of been proven wrong. One was that I said Wisconsin would take a step back. Yeah. They haven't shown any signs of doing that. Another was I thought Maryland forward, would yeah. be bad. Maryland is not going to be bad. <laughs> yeah, well, I agreed with you with the Maryland thing. I thought Wisconsin would be at least as good as last year. Um, but but I really thing, thought Maryland would be bad. No, we both did. I think most people did, honestly. I, try to find a prediction of Maryland as better than five or six wins. Either. I don't think you're going to find it. It still could be a struggle only because of their schedule. Yeah. But... You know, it certainly won't seem as far away as we thought it would. No, no. So, last Speaking game... Speaking of being really far away... Last game it's going to fit in the Laffer category. Yeah. Iowa and Rutgers, um... Boy. What is there left to say about the Chris Ash era at Rutgers? Because this was a flashback to last season. I'm sure week one against UMass, even with the early surprisingly large deficit to a terrible team that the offense showed enough that you're like, wow, hey, maybe things are going to be better. Things are not going to be better. Um, this passing line was straight out of 2018. A combined 9 for 26 for 41 yards and two interceptions. And I haven't checked Reese, I haven't checked this afternoon, but McLean Carter was injured. Yeah, McLean Carter, was, McLean Carter was hurt uh, on an interception return. Yeah. Actually, so... So he went 6 for 16 for 28 yards. Sitkowski went 4 for 11 for 19. Well, which honestly, 4 for 11, 19 yards is not a terrible stat line for Sitkowski, all things considered. That is such a depressing Com- thing com- to say. Compared to the Maryland game last year. Uh, but each had a single-digit QB rating. Um, they passed for 47 yards. They rushed for 78 yards. Um, and they gave up uh, over 400. So, let me. See. I don't know. I don't really know what else there is to say. I mean... Unless Iowa is just is just some kind of rare, you know, neo Kirkian juggernaut this year, I just no. It, <laughs> I think that Chris Ash <laughs> is likely to be fired on November third uh, after 
the game against Illinois. Well, and... what we've learned, what I've learned from exploring Rutgers' Twitter a little bit is that actually his buyout decreases substantially if they wait until after December 1st, I think it is. Ah, uh, that's like, right like, after the mul- end of the By season. like multiple millions of dollars. All right, so, well then he'll coach out the rest of the year. Yeah. Um, what I would say, I think Rutgers goes into a buy as well. See them on next week's schedule. Are you sure that they didn't just get kicked out of the Big Ten since we've started recording this? Well, they played a conference game this week, so they presumably have a non-conference game next week anyway. Um, but <laughs> I like how you said that, and I knew mostly that you were joking, but I was still like, yeah, yeah. But when we kick them out of the conference, they'll still have their schedule to play that season. Uh, so, um, and that's the thing. When people are talking about, you know, well, maybe they should just stay pat because, you know, like, there's no guarantee you're going to make things better. Yeah, but if you stay pat with Chris Ash after he puts up another year like last year, then there's you're you're, you're guaranteed to not make things better. So right, that's and the, the, thing. Other, the other thing is he's had two seasons already where he's had no Big Ten wins. That's incredible. Yeah. When, yeah. Who was the last coach to even do that? I. But, th- th- this did, is a topic for another day. Did Beckman even manage that? Hell no. He he managed one of. He managed only one of those. Um, Hazel? Oh, Hazel? Ron Turner. But <laughs> but even Ron Turner won a Big Ten championship in between his. Yeah. No, Rutgers does Which, have congratulations, a... Rutgers beat Purdue once. Yeah, they do have a bye next week. So that's good because it, it looks, from what I'm reading here, it looks as though Carter's injury is a concussion. Oof. So, well, but the thing, I mean, that's the kind of thing where he could be back in two weeks. Yeah. If it's, you know, if it's a strained shoulder, a sprained ankle, there's no guarantee that yeah. you're back or at full speed. So that can linger, but it, it need it not could be necessarily. Worse. Yeah, it could and, be worse. And, but no, looking at this game, I mean, I don't want to read too much into this for Iowa because, again, it is kind of like picking out a kid who's smaller than you. But pitching a shutout against a Division One team, especially a conference opponent, is nothing to sneeze at. This defense looks every bit as good as we thought it would be. The offense, I don't want to get carried away here because really a similar, I mean... If Rutgers plays this kind of game against Ohio State, Michigan, against Penn State, even against like Michigan State or Maryland now, they lose by 50 or more. Um, Iowa kept this relatively constrained, which is how they prefer to do it most of the time. The traffic. Run, their running game really wasn't all that dynamic or productive. The Rutgers front did hold up for much of the game. Um, Iowa hit a couple of bigger passing plays. That's it. I mean, if you want to be, if you're looking for real positives out of this as Iowa, it's that you, Amir Smith-Marset is emerging as a legit threat now. Who, by the way, former Rutgers commits. <laughs> oh, God. Twist the knife a little more. Jeez. Well, and those, I, do they play Wisconsin? So they get to see Jonathan Taylor one more time? Oof, I don't uh, know if they do. I, I don't know. I don't even know if they... I mean, that's the thing. I don't even know if they would feel that anymore. I mean, they've got to have just so much scar tissue built up at this point. Uh, that's true. I suppose that's one benefit. Do we want to call that a benefit? Um, to the taking the kind of beatings they do. So, yeah. And that, that, unfortunately, was the only Big Ten game this week. We'll see if a couple more next week. Uh, actually, I think one more. Yeah, everyone else is still in the non-conference except we've got Ohio State, and Indiana. But anyway, we get what we get a what should be a more interesting game next week. I would think. I guess we'll, it's actually competitive. But Rucker says bye next week. What's up? Yes. Yes. Right. Um, so I wasn't sure if we circled back and addressed that, but glad to hear that we did. I mentioned it. I talk kind of fast, or so I've been told. So I'm sure it's washed right over you. Uh, a few more to talk about here. 
Purdue had a more competitive game against Vanderbilt in actual game flow. If you look at the final score, you might think it was a little bit of a comfortable win, but they did. Vanderbilt was leading for a while, if I recall correctly. And the takeaway I had from this was pretty straightforward, which is that if Purdue doesn't get some kind of production out of the running game, they will be inconsistent at best. Now, it would be tempting to say, well, if they get this kind of production out of the passing game, 500 yards and five touchdowns from Sindelar, will they even need it? Well, for one thing, Sindelar also had a concussion this game. Oof. Um, and they do not have a bye, I don't even know. They don't. They host TCU next week. Oh. So this is, well, this is what you get when you schedule up for some reason. I don't know. This feels like some kind of fiscally conservative decision by Mitch Daniels. Like, we're going to play games against teams. Like, I don't know if Purdue is being paid by TCU for this game or one exa- but it feels like some kind of Mitch Daniels like let's run this university like a business. Um yeah, if you don't get some kind of production from the running game at some point, you're going to lose a couple of games you really shouldn't lose. Next week could be one of them. TCU's defense is going to be a different animal from what they've seen so far. Yeah, I mean I don't remember what else I was going to say about this game other than that uh, old gold, I guess, proved superior to regular gold. Um, I still like the Vegas gold which, more. Which, you know, know that's the lost. thing about old gold is that it's got, you know, the experience is always going to win out in college football. <coughs> um, Keyshawn Vaughn now has a record of 1-1 one and one against Purdue. No, 1-2 one and, one and two because, he was, because he was on the bench the whole time for some reason in 2016. So anyway, speaking of Illinois... Um, they went on the road to UConn and things happened. Um, yeah, I don't know. I kind of tried to forget about it as well. Um, definitely wrote something about them. Where are they? No, it doesn't appear that you did. Uh, but anyway, we spotted UConn a 13-point lead for some reason. Uh, largely aided by Brandon Peters just deciding to casually toss a pick six in his own territory. Sometimes you just want, well, it was like a 50-yard return. The other thing is sometimes you just want to play the game on hard mode. Yeah. It always um, got that kind of coach. So then they came back for 24 unanswered in the second quarter and looked like they were going to comfortably put this one away. They did not. <laughs> yep, then they just decided that they were going to play UConn to a draw from that point on, uh, eking out a 31-23 to win. Um, I guess the offensive line isn't really that good. Um, Peters is definitely serviceable, makes some weird decisions, but the most concerning things uh, that I saw outside of the fact that we were down to walk-ons in at safety in our second game is that... Somebody did what I was worried everybody would do and schemed to the fact that Peters is not going to ever be a run-first quarterback and just assume he's not going to run it, which made our running game not work that well. Uh, I guess for some reason everybody assumed that we didn't need a running quarterback to make the run game work. Well, yeah, we do, because that literally makes one less defender. Um, That is the effect of having a running quarterback, and... Yeah, you make that trade-off for a more accurate passer that can throw on the run. Peters made some nice throws out of the pocket. But uh, I just hope that Isaiah Williams or someone that has real ball-running skills can come along soon. The other thing that was worrying is the uh, secondary is still kind of bad. Although, I mean, part of it was because with Kirby Joseph still sitting out uh, suspension for his targeting ejection last game, uh, Stanley Green got ejected for targeting, so... We've had two games and two targetings. Anyway, I'm now terrified of Eastern Michigan, but at least we didn't lose to UConn, so that's good. All all he did was reset my expectations back to where they were before we stomped Akron. Um, I'm playing with my dogs. Were you saying something? Um, Anyway, Penn State, you know, had a more competitive game. Let me just put put it this way. I'm sorry. Let me just put it this way. Uh, I bought this orange whip last week expecting to be able to talk about Illinois. Things fall apart, man. But not all the way. 
So Penn State. Yeah, final score shows blowout. This was a 10-7 Buffalo lead at halftime. You can give James Franklin credit if you want for making, and they often are a second half team, but these sleepy starts, and I get, this is big picture, not this year, obviously. The previous week, they had um, Idaho. This, Idaho, you know, Idaho, Idaho. Yeah, it, it's hard to think in this case in particular that maybe Penn State's not looking ahead to pit a little bit. Maybe you're not quite so unrivaled as you like to say. Um, and again, you know, it, you make the appropriate adjustments. You win the game by a comfortable margin. National writers are not going to pay attention to the actual flow of the game, so it's not going to hurt your ranking or your impression nationally, which matters for a program that's at that spot in the rankings. Um, the Pitt game will be interesting. Pitt is not what I would call good this year, but if you play the way you did in the first half, they're good enough that they could cause you some problems. Pitt got run over by Virginia in week one, uh, basically just strangled Ohio well, slightly. Should, yeah, and the broadcast in that Pitt game Strangled saying, Ohio unconvincingly. Yeah, because as the broadcast repeatedly brought up, Ohio's quarterback was sick. Like, thing. Yeah, and the very talented Nathan Rourke. Yeah, who I wisely benched, but um, that was that. Pitt really not, should not give Penn State a problem and a little bit more in the but I do wonder if there was a little bit of a place in Penn State's head for Pitt, because otherwise it's difficult to explain. I don't think Buffalo is that much of a step up in difficulty. I mean, I think they're still going to be a good team, at least because Lance Leipold remains the guy. So yes. Even without Tyree Jackson, I suppose it's fair to expect them to be decent, but... Certainly a contender in the MAC East. But being held to seven points by a MAC team in the first half you know, at home is not a great look. I don't think it, it's not like Sean Clifford was a problem exactly. Um, yeah, maybe it's just one of those things. I mean, you're not going to blow out every team by 80 points. So you can probably put this one in the rearview mirror and move on. But if they struggle again next week, even if they win, if it's difficult, if it's close in the third quarter, early fourth quarter, maybe some warning flags start to go off. Big picture for Penn State. That's about all I would say. Now, Clifford is a guy that <coughs> I would like to call Clifford, just be able to refer to him as the big red dog. Except that there's really nothing else you can say about Clifford the Big Red Dog other than that he was a very big red dog who whose size created some some unusual situations. That was the entire plot of the whole children's book series was basically like, this dog is really huge. <laughs> and uh, um, You know, I'm looking at some pictures of him and... Who, Sean Clifford or Clifford the Big Red Dog? Clifford the Big Red... No, Sean Clifford. <laughs> um... He's got like a little bit of sand in his beard, maybe, such that you could almost make that connection. But if he's, and again, it's lighting in here is not great, but I don't think he could, he's got freckles. He's got a lot of freckles. So maybe we could work something. I mean, he's going to have to earn that nickname. Clifford the Adequately Sized Blue Kitty. <laughs> um, yeah, that'd be fine. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he's got like Hackenberg size. You know, some of these other pictures really do make him look a little bit more like a redhead. Who knows? Um, Sean Clifford, is he a redhead? Is is he a ginger? Off Tackle Empire I-Team investigates. More at 11. His beard is definitely... There's this picture, he has a terrible... He should really be in shape at night. Okay, so that's, again, this is about as interesting as we found the Penn State-Buffalo game, but um, I don't know what else there is to say for Penn State. I mean, the defense remains formidable. Plenty of talent there. John Reed made... Uh, a pick six that really changed the makeup of the game. Um, you know, the thing is, some teams just don't play games of consequence in the non-conference. Penn State has yet to play a game of any consequence. They're a good team, and, you know, they're a reasonably good team. We don't know how good. We know that they should be good enough to convincingly beat Idaho and Buffalo, and they went out and did just that. So yeah. there's really nothing yet to say about them. Yeah, Other teams have played games that said something. Penn State hasn't. 
And on a 12-game schedule, it's presumably difficult to get a bunch of teenagers and young 20-something to focus with all of their hearts and minds on opponents like Buffalo. Again, when you have Pitt coming up, when you just walked over Idaho or that, they may have overlooked it. So we're not going to read too much in that. We said this in the I times. thought that was impossible because... I thought that ever since week one of that 2016 season, every opponent has just been exactly like Akron. It's a lot of time to play Akron. Well, they got, maybe that's just it. Maybe it was just, maybe they were seeing this opponent the exact same way as Akron, and they said to themselves, God damn, we have to play Akron again? <laughs> like, like and so they couldn't, they couldn't get up for this game because it's like, oh, God, like, Akron. Like Bill Murray and Groundhog's Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, all right, so that, that Akron brings us... again? That's all that we can afford, honey. This brings us to the in-memoriam portion of the program. Rip in peace, Nebraska's college football playoff hopes. I will remember you. You remember me. No, because you were never real. Because Nebraska was never going to be better than a seven-win team season. You, you, conductor of the Nebraska hype train, pointing my finger accusingly at you. You did this. You enabled these people. I called them losing this game. And still winning the Big Ten West? Yeah. You out of your damn mind? Well, I mean, this game doesn't count in the conference standings. You still think they're going to win the Big Ten West? I didn't see... That was before I thought that Wisconsin was going to be, like, as good as I guess they're going to be. Hey, all sorts of things were possible. How did you anticipate them losing this game, but still... Gaining enough moment, like in what in what scenario would they have failed to progress to the degree they did, as we saw here, where they were able to lose this game despite jumping to a seventeen nothing lead and then blowing that to still be at the place where they would do something like that? How do you think they it were going to lose this game? What do you think this game is going to look like if you thought they would lose and still win the Big Ten West? Well, it was only because I did the math on Ohio State season and figured that their stupid, we-don't-know-how-to-play-this-game-anymore road loss wasn't going to be at Michigan, it wasn't going to be at Northwestern, it wasn't going to be at Indiana. So by process of elimination, it had to be Nebraska. So then I'm thinking, well, Nebraska's got this win over Ohio State. Like, they drop two games, but then they have some tiebreakers and they win the conference. How did those inexplicable wins for Ohio State benefit Purdue and Iowa the last two seasons? They win the conference because of that? No. They win the division because of that. No, I so I didn't would it matter? Would it matter if you were even right? Um, boy. Anyway, we'll get to the actual substance of this game then. As with Purdue, we've got a young dynamite coach, at least on paper, substantially less so after this week, I think. You got it. You got a Where coach who has accomplished cons- a lot of great things. Also has a pretty big track record of dick tripping. Yeah, yeah, that's becoming a substantial pair. Because, oh, the last thing we forgot to mention about Purdue, uh, that Nevada team they lost to in week one went out and got beaten by 70 by Oregon. So that win has aged like milk. Um, Anyway, to get back to Nebraska, consistency is a problem here, which we see with young coaches and young teams pretty regularly. But it's also the question, it's the answer to the question of who Nebraska really is. Because right now they are inconsistent. They really are not only the team that got out to a 17-0 lead on Colorado, a decent pack club. Nor are they the team that gave up 24 points in the fourth quarter to blow that lead. They are both of those teams at once. And that's probably, you know, there will be games, and maybe the Ohio State game, where if they're the first-half team for the whole game, they're going to look like an emergent power like their fans dream them to be. There are going to be other games where it's that second-half team the whole time, and it's going to look friggin' horrible. And that's normal for year two. For higher expectations to be placed on that was really just the overeager fever dream of a fan base desperate for a return former glory. The main reason that I thought that Nebraska at nine wins would get the conference 
or not the conference, the uh, division, is because I thought the other teams in the division would be weak than they're going to end up being. Yeah. And as we mentioned earlier, I think if these first couple weeks are any indication, it's going to be Wisconsin and Iowa and everyone else playing third um, in the West. Now, it's not enough of a separation that we know that's the case, but it's possible to recalibrate your expectations after you have some data to work with, and that's what I'm doing. So... That's the game that you want to look forward to in this division. Somebody else, I mean, one or both of those teams and any other teams that rise up are going to lose other dumb games along the way that will turn out to be relevant. Good luck predicting them. Um, speaking of good luck predicting them, hey, Minnesota. Um, remember that time you needed last-second escapes to avoid an 0-2 start against an FCS and Mountain West non-con schedule thus far? Yeesh. I don't remember. Um, we'll forget that. This is an offense with a couple of dynamic downfield receivers. Three, really, guys who can make and break a game with their dynamic plays. And they threw the ball, I believe, 22 times in regulation, if you count the one that was the game time you showed in regulation. 22 passes in a game that was never more than a score in either direction, I don't believe. Does it feel like they don't trust Tanner Morgan? Maybe. It, it could be that. It could be... It could be that they don't trust their defense, and so they want to possess the ball for these long three-yard-in-a-cloud-of-dust drives. They certainly have not opened the offense the way they did at Western, and it feels like they have the personnel that they could at least try. I mean, don't they have in, I think in Johnson and Bateman and Ottman Bell, they have a combo at least as good as they did with Corey Davis and Braverman, and I forget the third guy at Western. I don't think their running backs are that group they had with Coes, but they're... Jarvin Franklin. Yeah, Franklin and Bellamy and Bogan. Um, was that his yeah, Jamari Bogan. Yeah. Um, Bellamy's still there, and that was a... I don't know what they're doing with this offense. Yeah, it, it works just well enough, but is just well enough really going to get them where they want to go, which, again, given the preseason chatter... The division is still the goal. If they don't get there, this season is a failure. And they're going to have enough turnover for next year that expecting to get right back there is not going to be reasonable. So if this offense looks like this, do they beat Wisconsin again? No. Do they beat Iowa? No. I don't know when they play Northwestern. If they played them in September, the answer would be a resounding yes. But if they play Northwestern in November, are they going to beat them? I mean, hell no. Doubtful. So... And the, the, the thing is, man, they're 0-2 against Fresno State the last two seasons, if not for Antoine Winfield. Right. Because yeah. that he was an absolute in, he loss. Of, he jumped in front of the game-losing interception. Did he not? Yeah. Did they have a field goal? And yeah, if he doesn't get in the way, that's probably a touchdown catch. Well, and I don't even know where he came from because it looked like the quarterback for Fresno State got some air under that ball. Uh, he had his man, you know, he, he'd beaten his defender on the fade. And I have no idea how the hell Winfield got up to get that one. Second year in a row, yeah. That. <laughs> so, boy, I, I'm sure I didn't see any of Flex press stuff after this game, but thinking back to what he looked like after the South Dakota game, he's not only is he going to be bald, he's like he's not going to have eyebrows. Like he'll be like he'll have like he'll be like Lex Luthor, like he'll be hairless. Well, wait a minute, he'll end of the season. That'll that'll make him a pretty good fit to if he gets fired by Minnesota, transition into a job on Lovey Smith's coaching staff. He does love his very hairless guys on the in, in on the head at least. Okay, so um, that's the and that's the other game we were talking about when we talk about boy were you fortunate to escape that one alongside Michigan. So not a banner week for the conference exactly. Um, really, I mean only the one loss out of conference. Obviously, in Iowa Rutgers, somebody was going to take an Allen Luby, but um, Nebraska, the only other team that actually went ahead and lost their game, but a couple of showings from teams that had a lot of preseason pub that 
should bring you back down to earth if you are a fan of those respective teams. And if they haven't, you you go ahead and do you, man. When you lose more, when you lose games that you you know you deserve to lose games. When you do, it's gonna it's gonna hurt you all the more because of your failure to get into the reality. We're just trying to help you. So let's go around the country really quick here. Uh, Clemson and Texas A&M was boring as hell. It's basically exactly what I thought it was going to be, which is just Clemson suffocating the life out of somebody. Yeah. And I mean, so it's, it's one of the few somebodies with the talent to actually run with, so not terribly surprising. In theory. And there was, who boy, like, the, Trevor Lawrence in some bit on college game day just, like, seemed kind of, like, he just seemed kind of like a douche, but the only reason is because he just kept, spout, they just kept asking him questions and he kept spouting vague player platitudes about... You know, you just, you get to this level and with the experience, you just, you know, <coughs> you, you expect to win and you hope to win and you guys, you get the guys around you with the experience winning and then, you know, it's just it's all about winning. The NFL is going to love it. But I think just because of, of his resting face and his hair made him yes. seem like a real douche. Yes. because it, it <laughs> So looks it's like, not fair to him at all. Because it's hard, yeah, like his words are, I'm taking this seriously and doing all the right things and his visage is, but I'm also good. So, it's, yeah, and so it's, as you say, it's hard to take him seriously. Um, perfectly likable player, though, and boy, is he a talent. Um, elsewhere, I will say the Texas US, or the Texas LSU game, every bit as good as advertised. All big games should be that, should be exactly that. Um, a possible Hall of Fame game day entry from one of the Texas fans with a sign saying, we want Maryland. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. I like the self-awareness. Yeah, not a fan base that is typically lauded for its ability to poke fun at itself. That's a that's a hero move. Uh, and then, yeah, the game itself was fantastic. Um, also, you know, I don't know what... I don't know if he thought this would be part of it, but when it was all but decided, I mean, it wasn't a sure thing because actually Texas almost recovered an onside kick with like... 20-some seconds left and a timeout, I believe, that would have given them a chance to tie. But it I don't know if it was before that or after. They found some sideline shot of McConaughey, who, as you may know, is probably being paid. I don't think he would do it for free to basically just hang out around Texas football and be kind of their <laughs> second mascot. Because I guess not having a human mascot probably makes it difficult for certain photo ops and things. Like, we can't have the children near this live steer so well, I guess they just they felt like they here. needed him to compete with Oklahoma's Toby Keith for some reason. I guess, I right. guess. which which is which is really a, a a Texas money type of thing to do, right? It's like it's a Texas A and M money kind of thing. If we're being honest, that's I mean, <laughs> that's if you that's it. if you wanted to see if for some reason you I see your Toby Keith and raise you Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, if you wanted to see that relationship end, all you would have to do would be to point out to the right boosters that. Man, Hack McConaughey hanging around kind of feels like a tamu, doesn't it? And that boy, he'd be they, he would be escorted from the premises by a squadron of armed Texas State troopers. So, uh, but the game was fantastic, and that honestly, we don't see those types of games in our conference enough. I mean, either in the non-conference or in conference play, it's just kind of the truth of it. I'm not saying that we have an inferior brand of football necessarily, but that kind of big-time excitement. I mean, you get it. There's like the one Ohio State game a year where it's a random challenge for them. Um, the Mar- like for the Maryland game example, I found that compelling, you know, Ohio State won. We don't get enough of those, and I wish we had more of them. So you gotta go out of conference to get them sometimes. And now, we've got a number of contenders for Dick Trip of the Week. Some of these I wonder if you might have to disqualify just because of where these programs have sunk to. For example, UCLA lost to San Diego State, and I don't know about Chip Kelly, man. I mean, it's still two games in the year two, 
It's hard to ignore the guy's results at Oregon, which were only a few years ago. Not that long ago, really. Here's the thing about Chip Kelly, is that what he doesn't have any experience doing is taking over a struggling team. Okay, because yeah. he took a, he took over an Oregon program that was humming along under Mike Bellotti, and that's what you have to, 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 to take into account when you hire a coach like that is yeah, but what does he what can he do when he comes into a broken situation? And the, the other Which thing is why coaches that have turned around <laughs> uh, you know, struggling programs are always in such high demand. Yeah, and the other thing is that even in his time at Oregon, his dislike for recruiting was always well known. And it's not as though uh, Mora left him with a stockpile of talent. Even though with the, with USC being in probably its weakest spot in at least 20 years, if you gave half of a shit about recruiting in LA, you could make serious hay right now. Um, but it just, I don't see, and I, again, it's not like I've sat down and watched UCLA start, but I've seen enough of them. I watched them play against Cincinnati. And get yeah, just, seen yeah. enough of them to see that it doesn't look like this thing is about to, like, they're, it's like revving the lawnmower and, like. Yeah, they caught a beat down. Some, yeah, and sometimes before it starts up, you're like, oh, all right, here we go. I'm getting close. But you, you don't hear it quite firing up that way with UCLA, right? Um, yeah, elsewhere. It does not happen. <laughs> elsewhere in the Pac-12. Uh, Hawaii is now 2-0 against the Pac-12, beating Oregon State, which everyone expected. Um, can we start pushing the discussion of a Power 4 now? Because that, in conjunction with the fact that Washington took a loss to unranked Cal, pretty much eliminates the Pac-12 from the playoff after Week 2. Yikes. I mean, if Washington goes undefeated, they'll probably be in the picture from here on out. But that's Washington or Oregon has to win out. Or USC does. And or Utah. <laughs> They're not putting playoffs. They're not putting <laughs> Utah in the playoffs. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It does, doesn't, doesn't matter what conference you no. get in, Utah. We're never going to take you seriously because you weren't good in the 70s, so you're not worth taking seriously, apparently. Sorry, man. That's kind of the way it works out sometimes. Um, That's how college football works. If you weren't good in the 70s, you're not to be taken seriously. Yeah, so... I think it's fair to call Washington a dick driver. I mean, that's the 14th ranked in the country. Even after taking, I almost assigned them the lost Auburn. They didn't play Auburn this year. <laughs> but it, it's all the same. The North and Oregon Ra- also beat, or no, lost to Auburn. Beat Auburn until Bo Nix came back. Yeah, so it, you know, the the coffee drinking Northwestern team that just isn't quite fat enough to hang with Auburn for minutes. Uh, <laughs> interchangeable. Honestly, um, some other results that could be of interest around the country. Um, UMass, a team that should be near and dear to the hearts of Rutgers because uh, they lost to the Salukis of Southern Illinois, a fantastic dog, but not exactly an FCS powerhouse, and it wasn't close. UMass didn't lose that last second field goal. Rutgers, that's your only positive. 45 to 20. Yeah, that's that's Rutgers' only positive data point of, like, the last two years. So that's the thing. That's roughly equivalent to that 48-21 score that Rutgers put on UMass. I thought it was 41-30. Check that score if you have a conference if you have the schedule. Not I can. I oh, think well, you. I think, I think Rutgers. Right. I think Rutgers only beat him by. Or maybe it was forty. Rutgers. The Rutgers. Oh, the Rutgers score I know is 41 points in the second quarter. Maybe that's where I got from McLean Carter. <laughs> so um, anyway, so yeah, uh, Rutgers, that, that means that Rutgers is the equivalent of Southern Illinois. But the good news is that means that they're extremely good boys. Look, man, you gotta take what you can get in this world sometimes. Um. Elsewhere, um, what's up, Kansas? <laughs> so, God damn it, Kansas. I mean, I don't know. They, they, uh... It's a, 12, it's a 12-7 loss to Coastal Carolina we're talking about. This is not a basketball game, by the way, so the Chanticleers are not a respectable program. Let's make a tournament. Um, 
Turns out when he doesn't have access to overwhelming talent, Les Miles might not actually be an effective coach. Yeah. But look, it was it was worth a swing. I mean, what else is Kansas football going to do? And I mean, it's far from over. Because he's recruiting adequately sure. at Kansas. Yeah. So you never know what he can do if he actually raises their... Remember, they were at a situation a couple years ago where they had like 37 scholarship players. Yeah, you got to give him a couple of years, you point. Um, elsewhere, um, they're supposed to be SEC, man. They're supposed to be SEC. So Tennessee had BYU beat... Uh, and then they just decided Until to be they, very charitable, and they didn't right back in the game. Till they didn't, uh, and there were there were pics going around Twitter of Phil Fulmer at the after game press conference, and uh, boy, if he didn't look like a man who had his hiring belt or his firing belt on, I, I don't know, I don't know would. Um, Vandy, of course, lost to Purdue, as we already covered. I don't know if you can call that a dick trip, man. That's unranked Vandy, and Purdue is at least a Big Ten team. Um, new feature that we're going to begin running this week is uh, consulting the back o meter. So we're going to follow the progress of three teams who we are continually told are back. Um, first of all, Texas. They lost the game. They're still going to be ranked probably top 15-ish. So that's two Sports Illustrated covers out of 10. Miami lost, which drops them to 0-2. That's zero SI covers out of 10. No rappers are attending your game. Lost to Mac Brown, North Carolina. I mean, back Brown. Back Brown. <laughs> 100%. Um, yeah, and, you know, the, the, the ultimate backness of Texas is going to be determined in a couple of weeks at the Texas State Fair. Yes, sir. Looking forward to that one. That's, that should still be a good question. Just how badly will Jalen hurt? <laughs> Uh, and lastly, Michigan. Um, they needed two overtimes and a game win, a missed game-winning field goal to escape the service academy at home. Um, the good news, though, is that the media is going to busily get to work convincing everyone that this army is actually basically the same as Roger Staubach's army. Um, four sports. Wow, you would love to to get those wrong to the chagrin of go for three <laughs> there, because as you know, Roger Staubach Naval Academy. You're thinking the one that you're thinking. Uh, well, you're thinking of World War One or World War Two Army. There we go. That that it's weird that Oklahoma State claims a championship from 1945 because even if you had some kind of claim to it, why wouldn't you give Army the national championship for 1945? <laughs> why wouldn't you just leave their claim alone? Shame on you, Oklahoma State. You hate the troops almost as much as Michigan. Right. Your source for big and it's off tackle empire.